This is Eden on 88.9 The Bridge. Welcome back to my show, Garden of Eden. It's Garden of Eden, and I'm your host. I talk about what I like most. Garden of Eden! (laughs) Today's episode is actually an interview I did for another show I'm on called Divided. Divided is all about political division in the U.S. and working to bridge gaps between people. Here's a quick promo for the show. Political divides are plaguing the United States. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. You know what? There's nothing smart about you. What happened to unity? People have been going through it this year. Now is not the time for division. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's time for unity. So we've created Divided, a show to bridge the gap. We'll talk with students all across the political spectrum, yes, about their political opinions, but also about who they are beyond that, We'll have a variety of content, all aimed at lessening divides. I'm Catherine. I'm Eden. I'm Sid. I'm Andrew. And I'm Sophie. This is Divided. I love the interview that I'm going to be playing for you today and wanted to share it on Garden of Eden and also thought I could promote Divided in the process. Stay tuned for the end of this episode for more information on Divided, but for now, enjoy the interview. I am so excited to be joined with an, a very, very special guest today, Representative Tana Sen. Tana Sen is a member of the Washington House of Representatives representing the 41st Legislative District and is a former member of the Mercer Island City Council. Thank you so much for being here today. It is my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. I guess first off, uh, how did you get started in politics? Mm. I've always had an interest in politics, originally around kind of environmental issues, but very specifically about me. It was an issue around Island Crest Way, actually, when back in the day there was a discussion about, because uh, Island Crest Way was a four-lane road, if, if people remember, and we were trying to pass a road diet to turn it into the current three-lane structure. And when we were advocating for it, the city council was very opposed because they thought it was going to slow traffic down by 30 seconds. And it was ridiculous because, as you might know, actually, one of our neighbors was hit and killed right at the intersection. There were lots of accidents of high school students trying to zoom across from 46th across Island Crest Way towards the high school. And so when I took a look at the city council, it was all men. There were seven white men who are on the council and making all the decisions. And so I knew I had to get involved and I got involved in the Mercer Island City Council politics. Wow, that's awesome. And so when you were like younger, like late high school and then into college, did you see yourself going down a path of being involved in like local government and then larger state government? Uh, I wanted to be a teacher when I was growing up. And then I, during college, I did some internships and I got interested in education policy. And then that led me to urban policy because it's talking about like kids walking to school, hungry, 
and not feeling safe and what does that mean? And so then I ended up just following and getting a master's in public policy, but I didn't see myself as kind of the, the face, if you will. I always saw myself as more of a the number two, the support, the staff, the communicator, but um, especially at that time with this, the road diet, I, I kept trying to recruit, help recruit women to run. Mm-hmm. And people were like, wait, you've got a public policy background. You've got the passion. You've got the interest. You should run. I just realized, you know what? I just had to step up to the plate. Okay. That's, I think that's very cool that you just stepped up like that. Um, and already I've heard you speaking about like youth and you were in this interest in being a teacher and being concerned about children crossing the street. I think that you, you seem to have a lot of focus on children and families. Uh, can you expand a little bit more on this? Yeah, um, you're exactly right. I Right now, the, the main issues I'm working on is around childcare and the importance of that. And I actually went from the city council to the state because it was at the time we were talking about McCleary and trying to fund education. Then I also really wanted to work on gun control issues. And that was, you know, definitely at a a time when the issue of school shootings was really um, kind of emerging. I have two kids of my own. Um, Mm -hmm. My son's graduated from Russia Island High School last year and my daughter's a 10th grader. And so definitely kind of in that you know, in that phase of life where it really matters. And I'm aware of the struggles of families. And frankly, a lot of legislators and politicians have either no kids or their kids have grown up. And so there isn't a focus on that. And it's Mm -hmm. potentially, again, when you had more men in politics, they were maybe looking and talking more about the economy and taxes. And we've neglected the area of families and communities. And I think that's one of the strengths women bring, not to be stereotypical, but a lot of women bring that perspective because they're bringing their life experiences to politics. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know, and I know that you've also talked about the importance of like accessibility of childcare. um, And you talked about what happens when there's a lack thereof. Could you also expand a little bit on that and why that's important? Yeah, absolutely. So my kids went to Country Village Mm-hmm. on the island for childcare. But when I first moved to um, to Mercer Island, I was working part-time and it was really hard to find anywhere where I could bring my kids for, for childcare part-time, but I really wanted to work. And so it was definitely on, you know, kind of front and center for my mind, but I did find a place and that was great. And then when, when that was torn down to make way for Northwood, it was a big issue in the city council trying to help relocate childcare. And, you know, for Mercer Island, it's, you know, there's a lot of opportunities where we can pay for a nanny or we can pay for childcare, but childcare is more expensive than college. And you can save for college. Yeah. It's, it's a big, wow. Are you kidding? And it's true. You can save money for college. You can't save money for childcare. And you're at the beginning of your, of your career. And so you were probably making less money. Um, So for a lot of families, they just don't have the choice. And I'll just tell you a quick story. I remember reading something about a woman who was arrested because she left her kids in her car when she went into a job interview. And it has always stuck with me that here we are forcing a woman to choose between work and feeding her kids because she was getting some, um, you know, public assistance and 
So being able to feed her kids work or what to do with her kids. And she left them in the car because she was homeless. So there's mm -hmm. just this, you know, there's a disconnect. We expect so much of people and yet we're not giving them the supports that they need. Yeah. Um, I'll just end with one thing too, is that it really hits women. And I'm, I'm a big advocate of this, you know, kind of women's issues and women's fairness. And like in December, there was some crazy statistic that 100% of the people who left the workforce in December were women. In where, in, in what, in, on across, Washington, across the country and a hundred percent, not even 99%, a hundred percent. And it, it's, you know, so much of it is because, um, hotels, restaurants where, you know, a lot of women work are closed, but then childcare is closed for the holidays, you know, YMCA and boys and girls club closed for the holidays. And so you had all these women who have to choose between taking care of their kids and work. And it still does fall more to the women than it does um, to the men. So childcare is a huge issue and we need it for economic recovery and just for ongoing health. It's, yeah, I don't know. I think it, it is crazy that when you point out how big of an issue it is, you're like, whoa, yeah, that, that does need attention. But what do you think needs to be done about it? What can help? Like what, what's the solution? Yeah. So, well, especially with the schools being closed because of uh, COVID, Mm -hmm. More and more businesses and more and more families are also experiencing the need for childcare because usually you think of childcare zero to five, but like, you know, elementary school kids couldn't be home alone either. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and if their parents trying to work as fun as Zoom is, you know, the, the kids uh, do need attention and certainly help on their computers if they're doing online learning. So it really has become an issue that businesses are experiencing and recognizing that there's that struggle. So what can we do is, frankly, the state can pay more to childcare providers. Mm -hmm. So for very low income families, they can qualify for some state subsidy to help pay for childcare, but it's not nearly enough. Yeah. And so then a lot of childcare can't make their business model work. They can't stay open. And so there's not enough childcare and it's too expensive. So we need to, to help make sure there is more childcare and to make sure it's affordable. Okay. Throughout what we've talked about already, I can recognize that some of your values lean towards family and representation of like women in politics. What are some other values that drive the decisions that you make every day and that you carry with you throughout your career? Uh, I love that question. Thank you. Uh, so I'm, I'm Jewish. And I think one of the things that I carry with me on that is being a minority religion and trying to recognize that that we've been discriminated against historically that again we're a minority religion that we are treated differently and and not to be you know woe is me about the jewish community but more just trying to be empathetic and just recognizing what's the importance of hearing the minority voice of standing up for those who've been marginalized and who have faced hate crimes or discrimination or poverty. I'm also a granddaughter of Holocaust survivors. Mm -hmm. So again, just that that hate and the vitriol and the um, the otherizing, if you will, like the treating people who are different than you as other, is just something that I, I just I can't tolerate. I can't tolerate. And so really always working to, uh, to be empathetic and to stand up for the minority communities. Okay. I think that that's awesome. I think we should all be 
leaning more towards empathy, especially because it feels like there are these divides that are kind of plaguing the United States, our state, and then our local community. I mean, as you see recently, like with the homeless ordinance creating divides, can you speak more on political divides in our nation, our state, and then our local community and what we can do about it? Yeah, we really are divided right now. I mean, it's hard, you know, uh, hopefully with a new administration, there's a new opportunity to talk more across the aisle, but it certainly was a, I think an eye-opening of how far apart we can be in, um, in, in politics and in our communities. But I think just the key is, is that empathy and is listening and is trying to talk to people who are different than you and don't always run in your circles. You know, a lot of times when, like right now, um, so I've always been an advocate for TANF, Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, which is like food or mental assistance and kind of help for those who are experiencing deep poverty. Um, used to be known as kind of as welfare. And it's really meant to, you know, help support families and especially families with kids. And a lot of times the Republicans in the legislature have been very anti this program and not interested in expanding it. But with COVID and with the explosion of hunger and the explosion of people applying for unemployment and applying, needing help with their small business, the Republicans have really, this year, it seems, become more empathetic and more aware of the importance of government helping when people are struggling sometimes. And I think for so much of our community, if we do not interact with somebody who's different than us, mm -hmm. if we do not experience something ourselves, we can't believe it or imagine it. And so you brought up the homeless ordinance on Mercer Island. I mean, I think for a lot of Mercer Islanders, like we don't interact with a lot of homeless people very often. And so a lot of people don't necessarily understand their struggles or that they're not from other parts of their community. They're us. They're our communities. They're people who've fallen on hard times. And mm -hmm. just having that exposure to different people. So traveling the world or being, you know, in different parts of the state and the country, having different conversations that sometimes make us uncomfortable are really important. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think in within the Marcellan community, there is diversity because every community has diversity, but we we lack some of the awareness of a lot of different experiences. And I'm curious, once you seek out these opportunities to speak with people who are different from yourself, whose opinions are different than yours, how do you speak to these people? And what advice do you have for like getting the most out of the conversation and learning as much as you can? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I, I have to admit, I, I struggle with it myself sometimes. So I don't, for those who struggle with it, I don't want to imply that it's it's easy. But I think, you know, looking for the humor, looking for, again, a similar experience that you can kind of relate to, starting with something that's easy, even if you're like connecting about your pet or, mm -hmm. you know, your favorite TV show or some, or the snow, you know, talking and starting in with something that's easy and gentle and that people can agree on. And then moving on to, to some of those uh, difficult uh, conversations. But I think, again, it's always the when in doubt, just listen and nod and you don't have to agree, but yeah. you're just listening. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, it's really hard, but I still do think that it's, 
it's important to have conversations with people who are different from yourself. Um, And we've spoken a lot today about empathy. And when I was looking at your website, I saw the first award listed was NAMI Washington Behavioral Health Champion 2019. Uh, Do you have a message for our listeners about mental health? And can you speak more about your, your experience in working with mental health? Yeah. Wow. Mental health is just, is a really big, uh, really big topic, especially now with COVID and people feeling isolated and apart from your friends and all of that. So I really started focusing on social emotional learning and the importance of school counselors when my, my mom and my dad and my grandmother all died within a 13 month period. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard on me, but it was also really hard on my kids. Mm-hmm. And they were at, um, at in elementary school at the time. And I just was really lucky that they had school counselors who, um, when we were away at funerals, talked to the kids about empathy, about how to talk to my kids when they got back from the funerals to, you know, to make sure they didn't just treat them differently, but that they really engaged with them. And then the counselors invited the kids to, you know, have lunch with them and a few other kids during the week just to check in. And I always assumed that there were school counselors in every school, and that is not the case. And so then I joined the board of the Marshall Island Youth and Family Services Foundation and just have always been just a huge advocate in understanding the importance of mental health, of social emotional learning, of school counselors, being able to recognize when there is a trauma and not just brushing it under the rug, but talking about it and and getting help. And so just from there, really always work to, again, try and expand school counselors, bring social emotional learning. We need more people going into the field of behavioral health. So on on all of those levels, I've really just seen how important uh, mental health is. I think it's interesting to see again that you can connect um mental health to youth and having resources at school to to benefit kids. And I think conversations about mental health are super, super important. And it seems like you would agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, there's just so much, you know, we learn, we learn about our body, we learn about sexual health education, we learn about PE, you know, we have physical activity, physical education, and I think we need more understanding and discussion of, of mental health as well. And, uh, and just making sure that there's the resources for kids and, you know, and if we address issues early on, it helps prevent, you know, lifelong pain and suffering and, and even onset of serious disease and saves lives, frankly. I, I guess from our conversation today, I can see where, what you would gravitate towards, but I'm very curious if you could wave a magic wand and have like one law pass, um, which would it be? Um, Mm. Yeah, I'll just leave it there. Wow, you're gonna really put me on the spot. Um, I have to say that I'm in my mind swirling around is, you know, is outlawing guns, is um, (laughs) legislation around climate change, although I'm not sure exactly which one piece of legislation around climate change some would be frankly about more capital gains or more taxes for the very reason to fund school counselors to make sure that we have uh, affordable childcare, to make sure that we have services for those with disabilities 
so my mind is kind of swirling and I'm not sure I can settle on one, but probably something within that, within that uh, band of issues. Okay. Yeah. I know that that was, that was a very big question. Um, but as we kind of start to come to a close here in your career, in your involvement in government, where do you want to go? Like, what are, what are you looking towards? What do you have your eye on right now? <laughs> well, I am very honored to be the chair of the Children, Youth, and Families Committee. And so I get to work on a lot of these issues. So I, have, I definitely love this work. Um, but I will just leave it at that I always have an open mind. And while we have great representation right now on the federal level, I, again, as I say, I definitely keep my mind open and I'm, I'm here to serve. Okay. Do you have any other thoughts before we end off? Um, I would just leave with the encouragement to everyone in high school in particular to make sure they register to vote. Mm -hmm. And because you can do that early now when you're 16 and you can just sign up Um, when you get your driver's license, you can sign up and then, you know, the ballot won't come to you until you're 18. But by voting early, like when you first turn 18, you tend to vote for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And I think what we've seen on the national level this November is the importance. If you look at Georgia, if you just look across our country that your, your voice really matters. And, you know, one vote, two votes, three votes, they add up, they count, they make a difference. So however you're voting, don't think your voice doesn't matter. Or frankly, when you're speaking up, your voice, uh, your voice matters. And you, you know, eat in with your leadership here and with so many of the youth who testified for the city council, like, I'm hopeful for our future, given all the voices that I've been hearing from, uh, from youth. You know, I'm hopeful too. I think sometimes it feels easy to lose hope, especially during these times, but I'm hopeful as well. I, well, Representative Sen, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been awesome. You are welcome. Thank you for reaching out. It is, uh, it is my pleasure. And I love that you're involved in uh, radio and in your community and asking great questions. There you have it. My interview with Washington State Representative Tana Sen. For more political content like this, which includes discussions, interviews, and more from me and also a bunch of other amazing students, check out Divided at divided.transistor.fm. Again, that's divided.transistor.fm. This has been Eden on 88.9 The Bridge with my show Garden of Eden, which you can listen to every Saturday at 10 a.m. I hope you have a great rest of your day.